You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Been on a long hiatus. You have? Yeah, you yeah. haven't been yeah. here. In a while. I haven't been on an uncensored in since the last time Dan was on, I guess. Well, no, Dan's been on more than me lately. So it's been a bit. Been busy. You just kept your seat warm. Been busy not doing anything outdoor related. So I was like, I don't need to be on the podcast. I haven't done anything. <laughs> so it's like, sad. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Sad Brad. Sad Brad. Sad face. Uh, but I got into some stuff this weekend. You did, man. I did, dude. You'll be. So I texted I, – I was not kidding when I said the other day that I always text Jacob, hey, I'm fishing here. It's uh, – this This is – if I know conditions, I'll tell him. If I don't, I just did what I did on Friday or Saturday morning maybe. So I'm going to a lake. It's near this city. I don't know – like just to give him some semblance of area. Um, I said, um, we're going to try to catch some bass. Here's my plan. Wacky rig, Cinco. And he's like, yeah, that'll work. Or told me to – do a weedless rig, uh, no weight. Um, and we ended up, I used those XO ribbons that I bought. Oh, I saw those big worms. Yeah. Um, and cause I thought I had some Cinco's and I did not, but we ended up, so we, we get to, I, I was at a Cub Scout camp on Saturday and Sunday with my kid and we, we got there, get set up. We actually stayed in uh bunk houses, which was cool. Mm. We hadn't done that yet. So mm. they're open air bunk houses and, um, and my, my son really wanted the tent camp at first, but I knew it was going to rain in the middle of the night. And if you've ever been camping, you know that means drying out a tent the next day, which is just sucks. And so I was like, I don't know, buddy. I think this could be fun. Like, we haven't done had this experience yet. And so he, he kind of thought about it. He's like, yeah, let's do the bunks. Aww. So we, we did bunks. I set up my cot, and then we went fishing. And uh, most of the dads brought, you know, typical kid stuff to fish with. If you're not like Jacob, right? They brought night crawlers and one guy even brought hot dogs and, uh, which he slays the bass up yeah. here at that pond by Derek's firehouse. Absolutely slays with hot dogs. It's, so I can't even no, fault like, him for like real hot dogs. Or? Dude, he just goes and buys a pack of hot dogs. He slices them up, puts them on a hook and he has pictures holding three pound bass with his kid. So he doesn't even, he's, I wouldn't call him an angler. He doesn't realize how challenging it is when you get on a lake scenario where you you like that's a small lake where Derek well, the one we're talking about with Derek yeah, close to Derek's not, as, not as pressured no it's not pressured and so this one uh I, I think kind of he was shocked that the fish weren't biting his hot dogs uh. and so but a lot of the kids started uh, we had a 30 minute period man and this is always fun as a dad like I wanted to fish too but I had 30 minutes where I had I had set my rod down and not touched it again because I was constantly um, somebody else would show up. I would set them up on what we were doing. We had figured out, you know, two feet down the bluegill, we're just slamming these night crawlers and they are, I mean, it's some of the biggest bluegill I've ever caught in my life. Well, I didn't catch any, but the kids were, wow. and they, they were bigger than your hand. They were heavy as all get out. They were absolute pigs. 
they had that old like knobby head, you know, yeah. uh, when the they get Frank, real Frankengills. Yeah, the, yeah. So so the kids are just freaking out because they're having so much fun, and I'm just constantly changing stuff out and fixing, you know, taking fish off. Um, inevitably, there's always a, a fish that swallows hooks like nonstop because uh. the kids don't know when to set the hook. And so had a lot of that. We didn't, I don't think we killed any fish. We actually did a good job of getting everything out. But um, then 30 minutes in, I finally had a little bit of a, like it kind of slowed down a little bit. And I went and uh, put uh, a green pumpkin on and threw it first cast, boom, immediately. I had this fork of two dead trees and uh, I just first cast, hit it, pull up this fish, this little, is a little bass. Uh, but he saw that and he's like, I want to do whatever that was. Cause that he could tell, you could just see the difference in catching that and catching those bluegill. You know, it's just, you know, the kids are just kind of standing there. They're 10 feet out. It's just rolling it straight in. But mm-hmm. this, this bass was fighting and you know, he watched the whole thing. He's like, I, w- I want to ditch my bobber and do that. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Cause I've been trying, I tried to do this in the fall with him and get him excited about bass fishing. And I could not do it. He was out playing with rocks, which is fine. Whatever he's outside, not on a tablet. Right. Um, but dude, he uh he got i got him set up green pumpkin he throws um and i think he got one first cast too if i remember correctly um and we, i posted on go wild you can see the little i mean they weren't big you know mm-hmm. the, but they're fun uh it was super fun because they were hitting so fast and i i have a theory that the bass might have been a little bit less pressured on the artificials than like because because kids dads come out there and fish with night crawlers bobber setups all the time right like it's boy scouts you're just camping with your young kids but there's probably not a lot of people go out there and hit it really hard target like with artificials so that was my theory on why the bass were just hitting like crazy um and and uh, at least on i don't know i've never had it where it was just boom 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 it could be they were up on beds too maybe um <clears throat> that like size class of bass that you guys were catching will many times be the male bass that are guarding the beds. And so a worm falling down on a hook, they're not as worried about, mm-hmm. but something moving coming down towards their Maybe nest, that's it too. I have no idea. It. Cause I'm not, I'm nowhere near as skilled as you, but, uh, the, um, it was super fun, man. Uh, my son caught two really good bass and, um, then he had a bluegill that day. And then we went back out the next morning because they said at night, they were like, man, it was nuts over there. All the kids went back out. We had one kid catch his first fish ever, which was awesome. Uh, but the fish, they said, were just flying out of the water, it, it really active at night. And I was like, oh, man, we're going back out there in the morning then. So my son and I packed up uh, and got all our stuff in the car, walked out. We walked two miles around this lake. Well, I guess it was one mile, one direction. And he, by the midway through, his cast is good for as like for his age with a zebco 33 as good as you could get he was getting it where he wanted it his retrieve was good i had him you know reel it a couple of times let it sit give it a little pop reel it in and which is i think was aggravating those bass to your point i was trying to tell him i'm like sometimes they'll see it and they just don't like it so they'll hit it and he's like okay okay so he, he's getting good at that uh we walk all the way around and on the last quarter of the walk i said uh, he said, can I start picking the spots? Cause we had talked about what he's like, why are you picking this and that? Mm. And I, I kind of told him like, well, when you see those trees going down that structure and you know, there's a lot more under the water than what we can see. And that's where those bass like to hide. Uh, and also bait fish hide there and they eat those. And I was trying to explain everything to him. So he's starting to get like, understand why we're picking spots now. And he picked like the last two spots. And I was like, dude, this is great. I mean, that's where I would have 
put us and he had a blast he didn't want to stop until the rain came and then we were done <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah it was fun i, love those I had a blast with the, the raw thumb from you know lipping fish yeah. and taking them off the hook all day and those were the best i know days. man it, these were so lightweight that as even with as many as i caught i didn't even get bass thumb at all but you know because I, I, sh- I got to show him the teeth though and everything um he thought it was really cool yeah so we had a good time camping too um i have one kid who was a grade younger than us it was his first time camping um he's a really picky eater it was the first time eating a hamburger first time eating a hot dog first time catching a fish i was like dude this is awesome that's what scouts is all about is getting kids out of their comfort zone they get around a bunch of other kids doing this stuff and even if they normally wouldn't have done it you know they start to get uh really peer pressure themselves into it because other Mm -hmm. kids if they're catching fish they're not paying attention to anybody but this kid can see everybody catching fish and he was starting to get mad at his dad because they were 50 yards down he's like why aren't you catching fish? I want to go down there where they catch fish. And so he came down. He's like, what are you guys doing? I was like, we're on a hole, I guess, man. Just two feet down, 15 feet out, you're going to catch fish. And uh, they didn't catch any that at like two or three when we were out there. But they went back out there that night and did the same thing. And they started hammering them, which was awesome. awesome man, man, Scouts I is awesome. I lo- dude, it's I, so great. I loved it. I loved it when I was in it growing up. Were you guys in Scouts or Girl Scouts or anything like that? We didn't have it where I grew up. Yeah, I did it until probably middle school. Yeah. yeah, I did brownies for like a year or two oh, before man. you could sell the cookies. I just wanted to sell the cookies. I never <laughs> got there, though. I wasn't patient enough. i tell you this about something about scouts, man. Um, I went to four years of college and didn't – I feel like I didn't bring anything out of college other than, like, cool beer tricks. But I can tell you that I went to scouts – and I've retained more information at my time in Boy Scouts and Weeblos and just like outdoors that I've taken with me my whole life that uh, I guess that has made a bigger impact on me than just about anything, any other activity that I've ever been associated with. Well, Didi, there's all those stats out there about, you know, people that play sports tend to be better leaders and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, there's the same kind of stats. I wish I could remember it. I heard it last year. I went to the banquet for Boy Scouts. It was a big fundraiser. Johnny Bench came in and spoke, which was awesome. Ooh. Yeah, it was really cool. I got invited this year, but I was just so busy. I was like, I can't. It's like a three-hour ordeal to go downtown, you know, commit, and then you got to donate. <laughs> you can't go down there and eat for free, right? Um, but, but the uh, the stat they had on Eagle Scouts – was amazing. Like the the kids that go through an eagle are generally just tremendous leaders, great workers. Their work work ethic is great. Um, so I'm really hoping my son. My son wants to eagle right now, and actually he's more interested in scouts than anything. He plays soccer, but it's it's very social, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to start cutting kids next year, and I'm like, it'll probably be your last year playing soccer because he's just he's oh. not. Um, he just does it for fun. He does it for fun. And then, like, so he's at that age where, like, I, I got one kid on my scouts that is uh, – he's, he's like, we were – yesterday or on Saturday, he was showing me his agility training that he does. So you can start to see the real athletes are breaking out from the pack. And we were throwing football, and this kid's got, like, a 30-yard perfect spiral. And the other kids are, like, heaving footballs what? with two hands. It's just funny because that age, you start to really see the, the difference between them. Yeah, we're going through that right now as well where it's time, especially for my son and my, my oldest son and my daughter, where it's time to start picking a sport that you're going to be serious in. Because if, if you go and try to do a little bit of everything, you're going to get passed up. And, you know, 
yeah. then, then you're just a bench rider. I mean, there, yeah. there are people that are investing thousands and thousands oh, of dollars in their kids' um, sports training, I yeah. guess you would say. It's yeah, my, my in-laws are really into it, but, you know, my nephews are really good at baseball and soccer, so yeah. that, that's kind of what they – and then the other one is one of the best swimmers for his age in the city. Um, so, the, I mean, that's what they've picked, though. Like you said, you kind of got to go all in on something. Erica, you got into some camping and fishing this weekend, too. Yep. We um, went on our second trip of the season. I think I told you guys last time we camped a couple weeks ago, we had to evacuate because there was, like, tornadoes coming in. and um, So that was good. But this time, uh, we went to a place in Indiana called Starve Hollow, which I've never been to before. I have always heard about. It's on a lake, got these beautiful sites that you can actually just, you know, walk out of your tent or RV and you're actually on the lake and you can just throw in right there. Um, those book up as soon as they go available. So we didn't get those, but, um, so you're saying people are hungry for Starve Hollow. Yes. They weren't starving. Uh, starving. Sorry. Um, But anyways, yeah, so uh, Friday night, it was kind of drizzling um, when we got up there, but um, still good time. And then Saturday, we, um, it was beautiful weather. It was like Mm -hmm. 78, 80 degrees, sunny. I was hot. I should say, it's beautiful for you. I was a little sweaty at camp. Uh, I loved it. I yeah. was like tank top, shorts, sandals. Um, well, we were in Tick City, so I had pants on. But uh, yeah. I'll take a tick for eighty degrees. Oh, actually, <laughs> I got a tick in a very uh, since it was getting up the old thigh this oh. weekend. So it was a little cozier than I would have liked. But well, glad you caught that. Yeah, glad I shared that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it We've is all after all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the, my daughter has always asked to do a lemonade stand on our property mm. and like at home and we're just like, up the hip. You, we just can't at our house. Like one potential customer an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just not a place anymore. Our driveway is on this really curvy part of this back road and it's just not a good spot. So I'm always like, no, 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 no. Anyways. So I was like, maybe we can do it camping. Like, I don't know if it's faux pas or whatnot, but anyways, we took lemonade stuff there it was a hit. They were all four of the my two nieces and then um, son and daughter. They were like, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna get the ice in the cup, and you're gonna squeeze the lemon, and you're gonna pour it, and you're gonna hand it to them." And like they were just making their little entrepreneur stuff, and then they were yelling across the campground, "Lemonade, fifty cents!" And I mean, people were coming in groups. And then um, my daughter, there was these like little boy bike crew coming by. It was like our first customers, and all of a sudden she goes. I'll give you a dollar if you go tell everybody about this. Oh, yeah. And I was like, look at oh, her. Yeah. You made me so proud. And I said, but also, just give them free lemonade. You're cutting into our margin. That's four lemonades. People will work for product. Yeah, yeah. I was like, or that's two lemonades each. And I was like, just get the free lemonade. And anyway, I was just really proud that she did that. That's funny. Um, and then later on that day, we all went fishing. Um, so, like, 20 of us hit hit the area. We were, we were a little uh, tight in there, but... Um, my little boy didn't catch anything, and so after about 15 minutes, he was done with that. He yeah. was just going to ride his bike. Um, Tim gave away my fishing pole to someone else, so I was just, mm. I was like, what? Who, 
Who are you? Why yeah. would you do that? You know that I want to do this, but whatever. I'll let it pass. Someone else could fish. Um, and then Honora reeled in a couple. And finally, I when uh, my son was done fishing and riding his bike, I took the bobber and, the, and uh, his worm off. And I told me to use like a little crappie jig. Um, so I used that. And then I pulled in a, actually it was a smallmouth that pulled in. But me and Honora were the only people that caught anything that day. Really? So Perhaps. it was real muddy. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a great time. Star Hollow is beautiful. Highly recommend it. And then there's always, like, uh, Tim gets out the guitar and, like, the campfire and all that stuff. And yeah, and when Tim gets a Tim Tim's, like, actually good for anybody listening. Because if it was me, it'd be, like, not mentionable. But Tim is good. Tim plays, you know, wineries and stuff. So uh, I've, I've, I've heard him. He's, he's great. Yeah. You, you guys, now you, you and Dan got into turkeys. Why don't we start with you? Uh, how, yeah. how did that go? Cause I haven't talked to you. I've been, I was out of cell phone service for most of the weekend and then when well, I also haven't... kept it kind of quiet. Oh yeah. I was trying to save it up for the, you going to tell me you shot one? No, no. sorry. I just run, pulled the bandaid the off real quick. Yeah. So, um, there's the two farms that I have access to one. My mother-in-law lives at smaller 20 acres. The other farm <clears throat> is about 55 acres and, I haven't turkey hunted out there yet. So I went out Saturday afternoon. Kids had soccer Saturday morning, so I couldn't go opening morning. So planned to go out Saturday afternoon, kind of walk around the entire area, just listening for birds, seeing if I saw anything. Um, really did the entire perimeter of the property, walked through a backfield that I hadn't really explored yet, uh, found a shed, which was cool. Um, and then my plan was to try to roost them see if I could find out where they were going that night, come back Sunday morning. So I'm out in this very far back piece of the property, and I hear a turkey gobble at five or so. And so I kind of get as far as I can where the property line is, and I'm calling, trying to get a response, no response. You know, I wait around for a little while, no more gobbles. So I went back up to this spot where these trees just look like roosting trees. Mm -hmm. And there's a creek that comes through. And so, you know, Mm. we've talked before about how they like to roost around creeks. And um, I had seen a turkey track in the mud by this creek. So I knew that's the area I wanted to be in come evening, come sunset. And so I'm over there and I hear hear some gobbles. Um, I don't see any turkeys. I don't know exact trees that they went into. So I, you know, I sit it out till the sun goes down and just make a gamble that that's where they're going to be when I come back Sunday morning mm-hmm. and get there at dark. There's deer everywhere the entire weekend, by the way. Like, I couldn't believe how many deer I saw out there. Um, so I come in at, at dark. I get my spot set up. I threw it a, a couple decoys kind of across the field, kind of hoping that it would get them to come and I could buy, you know, what type of decoy? Like a hen, Jake? A Jake and a hen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I set those up across the field, and then my plan was to hunt kind of between them and the, you know, where the birds were. And so I'm sitting there. It's still dark out. I start hearing gobbles. There are three distinct toms that I can tell. Um, one of them sounded like a Jake still trying to figure yeah, out his it's gobble. <laughs> yeah. It was, <laughs> it was choppy. And yeah. Kind of Joking. Yes, exactly. He's choking on his gobble. And then the other one just sounded normal. And then there's a third that is like 
Raspy. Yeah. He sounds King Kong. And yeah. And so I'm like, all right, perfect. I'm in the right spot. I I gambled and guessed and I did it right for once. Uh, And now at this point, sun comes up. I'm still hearing them. They are like ripping. Mm-hmm. They're responding to my, my yelps. They're responding to any, you know, I, I had a gobble tube with me. I'm, I've got them talking. And I hear them kind of making their way almost away from the direction I thought they would come or I wanted them to come. And so at this point, I moved into another spot. There's a dried up pond. I was on one side and moved around to the other side. And I'm sitting there and I'm calling. They're responding. You know, I'm just waiting them out to see if they're going to come my direction. They don't really have any reason to. And so at this point, 7.30, two of them shut up. I've just got one of them still calling. The the basic bird, I'll say. Like the basic gobble. And so I can tell the direction he's moving, and I have the ability to get down and around to try to cut him off coming to that creek. And so he keeps gobbling for probably another 15 minutes later, shuts up. So, you know, like this point in turkey hunting is like, okay, well, I'm just going to move and see if I can stalk one or find one. So I make my way down around the edge of the field, get to where that creek is. And as I'm getting ready to cross the creek, I see a bird up the hill. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, I have a path to get around the edge of this field where that bird doesn't see me. I get to a spot where I can see it better. It's a hen. But. I'm, I'm still going to follow it. So I, I went up around you didn't that track on her. I did. Oh, I did. And she didn't acknowledge it all. Mm. Just kept walking. Um, <clears throat> taller grass. She's feeding, not paying any attention to me. So my goal was to get around the edge of that field, kind of cut off where she's going and see if a Tom comes out of the other section of woods. Didn't happen. Um, she was going where I heard the bird gobbling Saturday afternoon. Um, but it was good. I kind of got out, mapped out the property. First time been out there with them, you're kind of figuring out where they're yeah, at. I know right where they are. They're where I thought they would be, um, you know, just looking at Onyx and the trees that are out there. What I did is I moved a camera to about five yards from where I hunted the longest that morning. And I left the farm at about 9 o'clock, 10 a.m., a hen walks in front of that camera. So I'm in the ballpark. I just got to figure out how and why those toms would come up a hill to where I'm sitting um, unless I get permission from the neighbor. So if I get permission from the neighbor. might try evening hunt too, see if they, because you don't know what their path is in the evening yet. They might be coming back around. Right. So what what I'm hoping, the, the way the tracks were pointing, they're coming from the neighbor's property over down the creek mm-hmm. across our property towards the cow pasture. And... Um, I'm going to try and cut them off there, see if I can't see uh, if they're coming through there some point in the afternoon or day or whatever. But it was cool. I mean, it was, of all the years I've been turkey hunting, I will always say getting out, listening to the birds gobble, getting them to respond to you. I was talking to my dad about this. It's like it's frustrating as I'll get out because it's not like deer where you can – I'm, I'm not able to pattern them as easily. And to just get them responding, get them talking to you, get fired up early in the morning when they start gobbling. Yeah. Well, Dan will tell you that you just go where the turkeys are and shoot them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah but I mean, the, what, what's your problem, buddy? <laughs> it's cool. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. The uh, 
but in that kind of scenario, that time I've I've talked about this before when I was hunting with um, Tony, the professional guide. I mean, it was such a finesse game for him of watching him go through all of his tactics, and it was hours. That's I think that that was what he would have said. Like you left too soon, and I know you had stuff going on, mm-hmm. but it was hours of him working that well that bird we dubbed Gobz- Gobzilla on our property. Killed, yeah. killed the second biggest bird he's ever guided on wow. that property. And, you know, but watching him the, with the patience of, like, they went quiet and you just, you know, he, he's wait like, we're going to wait them out and, like, make them wonder where the bird is. So we're going to shut up for a while. And then he's, you know, moving back and forth between getting aggressive with the hen. It's just like this whole playbook that he did. Or you can do what Dan does. Dan, you did a good hunt uh, this weekend, right? Yeah. Real quick, Jacob, what was the weather like that morning that you went? Um, the morning I went was cooler. We had a cold front starting to come through. So the, it was warmer when I got in the woods that morning than when I left at nine o'clock. So, uh, it was, it actually was fairly sunny, kind of overcast at times, but fairly sunny. Um, a little bit of wind. Um, yeah, it was, I would say mild. And then they, they were gobbling after fly down too. Yeah. yeah, they were ripping for a good, you know, two hours or so. Oh, could, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they must have been hemmed up pretty pretty bad. Yeah, that would be when my... those two shut up, I figured they were locked up. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll tell you this. That's what I thought I was going to have to deal with. Let's see, when, it was Wednesday morning of last week when I went out, or I don't know when this is going to launch, but it was a Wednesday morning of the, the Iowa first season shotgun. And so I really didn't have any time scheduled to turkey hunt. I, I took my daughter out the previous weekend and we got real close, but, uh, man, I, I went to a property that I know has turkey on it, but over the, over the past years, um, I think I talked about this before, man, the turkey population in Iowa has just not been there. I mean, I can remember years where I would go out and I'd cut a call or, you know, an owl hoot in the morning. And, and this is no joke. I would hear 50 toms sound off wow. across across the whole river, like a river bottom, right? And and now, last year or the year before, I heard one, one tom gobble on some of these properties. So, with that said, this year, man, just driving the roads and seeing the amount of turkeys that I saw on the, the properties that I had access to, you know, having close encounters with Tom's man, I had a really good energy going into this season because I felt like the turkey population has had a little bump and was making a bit of a comeback based off of you know the previous, I would say, four, four to five years of of just garbage, if you ask me. And so I, I uh, knowing that, I kind of had this confidence going into this hunt. I, I went in on Wednesday, and. And so I said, I had a meeting at 10 that morning. So I had to be back home, which means I had to leave the woods by about 930. And uh, I, I pulled my truck into the farm, uh, the, the farm driveway and the sun, I mean, it was light, but it wasn't sunny, right? I mean, you, you could just see the light peeking over the horizon. And so I shut my car door and I was loading my gun and I heard a gobble and it's probably one of the earliest gobbles I've ever heard of all the times I've ever been turkey hunting. So I was like, man, that is strange. Like a gobble this early. 
And Did I you shot hear... Goblet with the door, or was it? See, no, because I shut it real quiet. Plus, yeah. it was, plus it was a little windy, and so I don't know what made this turkey gobble, but ultimately that said, okay, there's a turkey down in here, and that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna walk this field edge basically right to where I I feel like he was, and and so I walked I did I got out of my truck I walked this field edge, and I stood at the at this uh, field edge where a field edge meets a two track. Uh, that kind of loops back into a hidden field and the the loop of where this two track is there's all these big roosting trees that are all there just from you know previous years and, and seeing them during turkey season or deer season uh, you know fly up and out of these trees and so I'm sitting there waiting and there's there I heard that one gobble and then nothing so I and so I thought to myself oh geez man I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to end up not hearing anything because the wind was starting to pick up. Well, I picked up the call uh, and I made my first hen yelps. And sure enough, instantly a hen yelped back at me and she was in the tree. Mm. And so, but I didn't hear any gobbles. And so, well, I said, oh man, there's these hens down here. I I really don't want to get in a position where the hens come in and they bust me and then I'm that I'm screwed because if there is a Tom with them, they're going in a different direction. Well, anyway, I loop around down on this two track. I'm just kind of creeping my way up. I got a, I got my slate calls in one hand and my full strut, like a mint. It's not a, it's like if you were to take a regular turkey and just shrink it down a little bit, it was a full strut decoy. And I start walking down and I'm calling again. And every time I called the hen would respond. And then another hen kind of, so there was two hens that I knew were down there. And so I called one more time. The hen responds. I'm like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down this footpath, down to this hidden field, and I'm going to set up. As I take a step to turn around, that tom gobbles. There, there, was, there was two toms in there somewhere. Uh, one of them gobbled. I was like, okay, it's time. And so I start making my way further down this two-track, and the sun, you know, it's starting to get lighter in the sky. And I look in a tree and I can see a hen moving around in the tree. And I'm like, it's over. Like, I'm screwed. But so, I mean, so what I did is I took that that uh, Tom decoy, stuck it right in the middle of the uh, two track facing that hen. And then I hopped into like the, uh, I hopped in behind a multiflower rose bush and right off this two track where this two track would curve around. So, if they came down onto the two track and started making my way uh, towards me, not only did I have the bush, but I had the corner uh, of the two track kind of hiding me from where I, I felt these turkeys were coming. And so I sat down there for a little bit, and then that hen, I didn't, I didn't call right away. That hen started making a lot of noise, which caused the other hen to make some noise, which then the tom started gobbling. Just the one tom started gobbling. And so I started calling back to him and just basically letting them know, hey, I'm I'm here. And uh, that other hen that I could see, so there's three hens now. The one I could see, she was nervous. Uh, she saw me and she did not want to, like, she wasn't sounding off like these other ones were. And eventually, she flew down the the top the uh, hen that I saw. She flew down, and she came to the two track but went the opposite direction. So I don't know if she saw my Tom decoy or not. Like it's hard to tell. 
But then the other hens were still sounding off. The tom was still gobbling. I could hear the two hens fly down. I didn't see them, but then I then I heard a couple other turkeys fly down. So I said, okay, there's more. There's probably four or five turkeys back in here. And you know, you know when the tom uh, gobbles in the tree, it's like this direct line of sound comes to your ear. But then he flies down to the bottom of this little hollow, and it just echoes through. Yeah. He, like it's not direct; it's echoing off the bottom. Yeah. And, and so I call. He responds. I, I know he's in the bottom, and I said, "Dude, he's got to come up here where all the other ones are coming up," because I could hear these other hens yelp. But I and then they started working their way away from me, and I go, "God, this is gonna suck," because I I feel like these toms are fired up, and and they're gonna follow these hens. Well. I started calling and the tom went quiet for just a little bit. And the next time he gobbled, he was like inside 80 yards of me, but I couldn't see him yet. It was real, it's thick in there. And then, but he was, he had closed a big distance. And then I called one more time, he gobbled. And then I knew he was in the open somewhere. He wasn't in the woods, he was on the two track, but further back. And it didn't sound, it sounded like he was facing me when he gobbled. And so I, I called one more time, he gobbled, and it was so close. I mean, you guys know, you've heard turkeys gobble before. Like, it, they're so close you can feel it. Like, there's mm-hmm. just an, there's, there's additional layers to the sound that you can hear when they're, when they're yeah, it's gobbling close. It's really like a complex sound. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's the gobble, but then, like, you can almost hear the air being pushed out yeah. of their lungs. Yeah. That's how close this one was. And then um, I, I saw a black dot coming down the two track and sure enough, he blew up and he started strutting. And he wasn't like, stay, he wasn't staying in full strut. He was blowing up and then coming out of it, taking a couple steps, then blowing up and then taking a couple steps. And so I you know took the safety off and uh, I just stopped, stopped calling. And I think that made him more curious and he started working his way towards me and uh then he turned that corner and i just pow-powed him right in his face and it was cool because you know a lot of times when i whenever i've shot in turkey they'll flop around and they'll fly this dude went down like a ton of bricks i mean he just went and it was over i mean he flopped for maybe a little bit when i put my boot on his you know boot on his head but but it was over and it was like 625 in the morning. And so yeah. I, I wow. just, I made that story sound like it took hours, but it happened. I mean, it, I was going to say, I saw like your that. post on go wild and it yeah. was, you were like, walked out, sat down under a tree, <laughs> shot bird <laughs> back at truck I mean, by seven. Like. <laughs> I mean, my coffee was still hot in my, in my thermos. Wow. It wasn't, it hadn't been cooled down a bit. And yeah. so, uh, of course the, first person I send a text message to is Paul Campbell because Paul takes turkey <laughs> hunting so serious. I mean, kind of like I, I take deer hunting serious. So I, I sent him a picture of my boot. I don't know if this is, I don't know, in bad taste or anything of me putting my boot on this turkey's head. And it's just like this downward shot and you can see the beard and everything. I yeah. go, this shit's too easy. <laughs> and, he's like, and he is just like, I can tell he's just like, you son of a, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he congratulated me and, and uh, 
I just, I have to give him uh, crap because I make it sound like turkey hunting is this real nonchalant, real easy yeah. thing to do. And he takes it serious. Like, like you were saying earlier, the, the finesse game and, you know, all the strategy and here this redneck comes out of nowhere and just shoots one right off the roost. So, yeah. Well, you had a good, uh, put yourself in a good spot there. It sounds oh, like, yeah. yeah. And it's love having those birds yeah. move off. And if they get quiet, the, you know, and you're yelping the, he probably thought you were them. Oh, you know? it could have been. Yeah, because it's thick down. So once you once you fly away, or once they fly to the ground, especially on this property, it's not open timber. It's old cattle pasture that there's a lot of big mature trees in there. But from ground to six foot up is all like multiflower rows, uh, yeah. like that uh, honey lo- uh, honey locust or not honey locust. Uh, it's that it's that bush that stays green all year round. Like a rhododendron or a laurel? Yeah, something like that. That's no, what we have here. I don't know what you yeah. have out there. Yeah, so they stay they stay green pretty much all year round, uh, and uh, and you can't see very far in it. So, I mean, they have to come out into the open to to investigate. And by that time, I think the the hens had uh, moved on. But the cool part about this was, the second I pulled the trigger, he drops, and four jakes come in and start stomping on him and pecking at his head. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I had never seen that before ever happened before. I mean, you would think they'd run away from the shotgun. You might've been bullying them. I shot yeah. a Jake a few years ago. I think it was 21. Uh, I shot a Jake, uh, amid, I, I had three Jakes come in. I hadn't killed the turkey. I didn't kill the turkey the year before. And I was like, screw it. I'm shooting this turkey. Cause turkeys, Jake's eat well too. Right. right. And, uh, he was with two others and dude, they just looked around and it was kind of the same thing. It's like, all right, we just get, went one rank up. Cause I shot the biggest Jake, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really run away until I got up and then they were like, Oh snap, something you now, which is why I still argue turkeys aren't really smart. They're just really perceptive. Yeah. Cautious. You, you see that in a lot of animals though. Uh, I watched a Buffalo hunt once where a guy went out in Wyoming or somewhere and he shot the dominant bull out of the, out of the herd and it caused the stampede because instantly the, all the other bulls saw a uh saw the the king get taken down and there was some kind of trigger and they all started fighting each other all of them mm. started fighting each other for dominance in, like instantly and That's so crazy. i don't i don't know what that is you know in evolution or nature but it's it's pretty uh, interesting to see i've seen that with deer a bunch too but it's usually yeah. uh, I, when I've seen it, it's well, usually if it's like peak rut season two, they're not really hanging out around a lot of other bucks, but the does will come back out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That always amazes me. I'm like, there's a dead deer laying there. You heard a very loud boom in gun season. Yeah. And they all like, I mean, when I went to, I told you this year, when I went to get my SUV to load up the deer, I came back and I had deer all in the field. I'm like, loud boom. Lots of noise uh, with with all my you know shuffling around and everything, and then I'm driving back and I spotlighted with my headlights multiple multiple deer. It's kind of interesting, which I guess they're just hearing it all over the place and like like those turkeys in the river bottoms. It echoes around. They don't necessarily know what what's going on. Yeah, I mean in a loud boom too. That who knows how often they hear loud booms and they don't really yeah you know think that that is a threat and they don't smell something at the moment. 
Yeah. Well, congrats to Dan. Uh, I'm going to try to get out this weekend. I've got the first permission, which is property owner. Now I got to get the second uh, permission, which is the most important permission. No. The spousal. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, I know. It's a big weekend. We got a lot going on, but I'm going to try to sneak out for a few hours. And then after that, it's probably going to be all evening hunts. So, yeah. you know, that, that's one thing about turkey season. My hunts are shorter. I feel like I can cram them in yeah. here and there. Um, the turkey hunting, I mean, like the most quality part of it is the morning. Mm-hmm. You, you'll you get yeah. big birds walking around. It's just, it's a lot harder to find them because they're quiet. And, you know, you I, I feel like you really got to know their behavior if you're going to get one midday. Like you got to know where those birds are typically going because okay. um, – midday on my property if i set up when where it would be a good spot in the morning it's not a good they're not hanging out down near that tree line on that rolling bank and uh you know they've they've moved a mile from where they roosted or so and uh i feel like you got to know where they go midday to have any luck there yeah i'm still a fan of the evening though after last year i've told that story of me shooting a bird that didn't die um had some brush in between but that's that's probably the play i'm going to go to again this year if i don't get one on sunday so we'll see and I'll just offer book uh, to both of you guys. If I mean, if you're looking for some expert level advice, I mean, you guys have my cell phone number. Feel free to. I'll, I'll text you. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, man, uh, there's a turkey in a tree. Should I sit close to it, or what would you do? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just shoot it right out of the tree. I do. There's, yeah. there's states where you can shoot uh, turkeys in the roost. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't, there's also states I think you can hunt turkey with rifles. Yes. Yeah. The air rifles is, is legal in several states, uh, which I feel like that's just a almost like a loophole that hasn't been updated. Closed, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know there's several states because Jeremiah shot them with a a rifle or like an air rifle. Um, I, I'm reading a book currently that talks about now. This is an older book, so I don't know if it's changed since. But in Alabama, they shoot them with rifles. Do they? So I don't know if they still have that or not. Hmm. Well, interesting. Like, where if your rifle are you shooting in the body? Yeah, okay. you shoot for the lungs, nice. vitals. Really? Hmm. I would. Well, I guess it depends on the rifle. You hit a golf ball. I mean, that would I know. Be yeah. Well, yeah, it's like shot. it's it's a yeah. I'm just. I don't know. It's interesting. I've never thought about shooting a turkey with a rifle. Like, really. I mean, I don't you always to. wish you could when you see one, like Dan said, at 80 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever archery hunt them, Dan? Okay, so um, I've archery hunted turkeys two times my whole life. And in that in that two-hunt period, I think I lost eight, eight arrows. <laughs> yeah. I was just That like, would be me. Oh, oh, God, they're at, you know, he – you know, they busted me draw because I don't ever use a blind. So I'm always, yeah. I'm trying to do this off the ground and try to be as mobile as possible. And so the two times that I went, I was just, man, I was launching arrows at Jake's that were probably 60 yards. And so it was stupid. And I just said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to save the bow hunting for the whitetails. Yeah, man. They're so finicky. It's hard enough to get a shotgun up. Yeah. I can't imagine these guys. I met a guy a couple of years ago. I think it was up at, might have been an NWTF or maybe it was up at a Great American Outdoor Show. But he just tell me this story. He spot and stalked a turkey in open ground, like rolling open ground. But he took his shoes off, crept up on this turkey. He got 10 yards on this thing and then shot it with a bow. I'm like, all right, man, that's like the, the ultimate story with the turkey. A, to get that close on one. They can hear so well. They can see so well. And then he drew on it and shot it. It's a lot of movement. Did he have a fan? I mean, was he fanning him? No. No? No, he belly crawled on no. him. 
Um, yeah, fans are a whole new level. But anyways, uh, sounds like everybody had a great weekend. So good, yeah. good wrap up. It's Perfect good to, weather. Good to be back up Perfect on weather. Uncensored. I guess uh, we'll should we by the time this releases, we'll have announced who won the UTV. Should we say it? We didn't plan on this, Might but well. do, it. Could. do it. Do you, uh, it. You, you tell the news. Yeah, so um, if you've seen in the platform, we've been getting everybody to enter to win this sweet Polaris Ranger that we tricked out to the nines. Um, and so we finally drew the winner. It was Cole Bishop out of Illinois. So he and his father came down this weekend, picked it up. They were pumped. He had actually what, – you know what's cool about the story is that yeah, it's awesome. He got it for UTV, but he had already been looking at some. They've got some property, and they were, you know, had already been thinking about getting one. They needed so, one, yeah. just like this, not the, you know, the fast, fun, you know, sport uh, utility vehicles. This was like, no, we need one to work the farm. And I'm like, dude, well, you just, this is the best one. It's yep. got everything you need. So it was cool. He, uh, he, he was really pumped. Um, I was joking with him when we called him. He called me back, and I was, uh, he's like. Yeah, I mean, I remember the UTV thing. Like, he didn't even – hadn't connected with him yet that he won. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was calling him. I was like, what, did you think you were getting some free stickers or something? He's like, yeah, I mean, I just assumed <laughs> it was something like that. <laughs> said he's never won anything in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he uh, said he'd never won anything in his life. He was so pumped. Um, you know, we, we talked through some of the logistics, and we were like, you got 48 hours to decide if you want it. He's like, I want it. I want it. I want it. They're yeah. like, don't, don't even – there's no more thinking about it. I'm coming. And then he came – Within, within a week four days yeah, yeah within four days so we damn we should have seen us cramming this thing uh we had it safely stored at a non-disclosed location uh for the last few months and undisclosed just whatever uh whatever that is redacted Secret. redacted it was stored at redacted uh then we had to bring it over here because we was picking it up on the weekend so they, they stuck this thing in our warehouse, which is a glorified garage, mm-hmm. and we have all this product in there, and Dan and Jacob had to move everything around, and uh, I can only imagine the Austin Powers moment of getting out of the car. <laughs> By myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. Dan was here Friday when we moved it and got it into the garage, but then I was here solo Saturday, so I was trying to be extra careful not to hit the dumpster that's oh, right. right off the quarter panel. Yeah, the the dumpster, and then there's a bar to protect the garage. That's the garage itself. Yeah. Uh, I called it the car because it, it in my head this thing is so I mean when you see it like you can't really until you see a person next to it it's the size it's of a small car yeah it'll hold nice. six people it's yeah big. yeah nice he's gonna have fun all right that. guys thanks for uh thanks for listening this is uh Brad Luttrell we got Jacob Knight Dan Johnson Erica Johnson unrelated and uh make sure you log this on go wild hit plus uh log time go to outdoor podcast and you'll find this podcast and lots of other sportsman's empire podcasts or you can search for your favorite podcast when you log those podcasts you get points when you get points you unlock rewards like the sweet vexen reward we just launched what's the deal with that one so if you buy a strike back rod, which I cannot recommend enough, they are really sweet rods for the price point, you will get a free crankbait and a free neck gator yep. sunshade. So we've launched a ton of these recently. We had a really popular uh, turkey kill kit bundle that went out. We've had a uh, Badlands Bino deal that was a great deal uh, that, that went out. So make sure you're logging time. Make sure you're logging trophies and all that good stuff. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, guys. We're out.